This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good afternoon and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Today, our topic is how to stay dry during dry January. In our society, people use alcohol to celebrate, socialize, relax, and enhance the enjoyment of food. According to the National Institutes of Health, most people drink in moderation, but nearly 40% of U.S. adults drink in excess of the low-risk guidelines established by the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. In 1942, the government of Finland made Sober January part of their plan in the war effort to fight the Soviet Union. In 2008, Frank Policico in Huntington, New York, abstained and noticed significant weight loss and increased energy. His idea fueled the Dry January campaign for a foundation called Alcohol Concern in about 2012. And in 2014, a foundation in the United Kingdom called Alcohol Change UK trademarked the term. The goal, to give you the opportunity to stop and think about your relationship with alcohol. Maybe it's someone taking the first step to addressing their own problem with alcohol use disorder, or someone who wants to make healthy changes before they become dependent and before alcohol interferes with personal and professional relationships. Joining us today is Dr. Marina Goldman, a clinical assistant professor and faculty in the Addiction Psychiatry Fellowship at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. She's also the immediate past president of the Philadelphia chapter of the Pennsylvania Psychiatric Society, and she's been in clinical practice in psychiatry and addiction psychiatry since 2007. Her previous research work at the University of Penn focused on neuroimaging work examining risk factors of addiction. Welcome, Marina. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today with you. Well, thank you. Let's start with the concept of dry January and what the potential benefits are. Thank you. It's such an important topic, and I'm, um, it's such a, um, a great opportunity to be able to highlight this, um, this topic with you. So um, everything you mentioned is, is, a, is a great introduction to dry January. Um, 
it's an opportunity for people to take a look at their alcohol use and to start a conversation uh, within their small circle with, with themselves um, in kind of internal dialogue with their immediate family, with their friends, um, and to just think about how much alcohol am I using? Um, is it something I want to change? It's an opportunity to reflect. Um, start a dialogue and reflect. It's not really intended to treat um, our patients who are uh, in the severe um, use alcohol, in the severe use category with alcohol or people who feel that they're addicted. It's really intended to be um, available for everyone to use um, as a way of reflecting. You make a good point, to, uh, Marina, because You've, we had a great conversation the other day, and we talked about the different facets of alcohol use and, and uh, disuse. And if somebody's drinking uh, a heavy amount, we'll talk about those definitions, and they try to to stop completely on their own, alcohol withdrawal can cost you your life, depending how much alcohol you're consuming. So you're right. If the focus is on somebody who's drinking more than they, than they really want to. They start to crave it or they start to depend on it. So if people are trying to practice dry January, how do they cope? And I love what you said that coping means I have a plan. I've thought this through. <laughs> coping and coping meaning how do they avoid the usual triggers that lead them into drinking? It's a great question. So so the first part of the process for anyone considering dry January is to look at their use of alcohol and think about whether they're ready to make a change. Um, it's, a, it's maybe a coincidence that we're doing it in January because that's the beginning of the new year and that's when people want to start over. But it may also be a coincidence because it follows a period of um, a lot of celebrations. December tends to be a month where we, um, and even November and December, tend to be two months where we do a lot of socializing and alcohol is usually part of that experience for us. So um, so there are people who wake up on January 1st because they've had a, a very exciting New Year's party that they just attended, and they may feel like, you know what, I just don't want to drink again for a while. I've overconsumed. But there may be people who um, haven't been drinking heavily on any particular day, but because it's the new year and they have a, a new start, um, they want to try something new. So the starting point can be really different for everyone. Once a person reflects and makes a decision that they want to make a change, the first part they want to think about is how they're going to change their automatic behavior. Uh, for many people, use of alcohol is an automatic component of um, everything from social meetings to business meetings. Um, it can be an automatic component of a dinner. Um, every night because it's what enhances the flavor of food for some for some people. Um, it can be a way to enjoy um, a sports event, or um, it can be you know an opportunity to just relax um, after a long day. And these become habits and automatic behaviors. So if a person's going to change their automatic behaviors, they're going to need to take time and think about how will I manage each one of these situations without alcohol. So it will require planning because each one of these situations could become a trigger, an automatic trigger 
for them to want to have a drink, their usual drink. And they want to think about making a plan. How are they going to do something different? What would be the alternative to mm-hmm. that? So I guess the it's the classic triad. People, places, things. And the triggers are different in each person. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the other day you said that in psychiatry, emotions can sometimes be a trigger. I'm really happy. Let's have a toast. Mm-hmm. Or I'm really sad. Tell me about that. Yeah. So... Um, Again, this we think about um, using alcohol as an example as one substance that helps us both enhance and uh, modulate our emotional states. When we're feeling very stressed or anxious, we want to change that emotional state to a more relaxed state. We can reach for a drink to do that. If we're feeling um, very happy and we want to get more of a sense of a um, joy or a high, um, alcohol can enhance that as well. Um, For some patients, um, there's uh, an association with sadness. Um, There's a sense of um, alcohol helping them access or um, allow them to feel sadness when they otherwise would be too anxious to have that experience with sadness. So they may need to be drinking in order for them to feel like they're allowed to cry or feel sad. So we associate using alcohol with many of our emotions. And so that emotions can become a trigger. What what a great explanation. When you just cascade through those different scenarios, it makes such perfect sense. Because I guess that's the other thing. If alcohol, um, I guess, um, I'm not, can't think of the right terminology. It, diminishes excitability in our brains and it calms things down. If you stop it acutely, then all those uh, motions go into play and they're hyperactive and that's what leads to seizures and coma and death that's if exactly. you try to withdraw by yourself without the help of uh, healthcare professionals. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, that um, It can become dangerous that way. So alcohol uh, works on a very important receptor in the brain, um, the GABA receptor. Um, the GABA receptor is built into every neural circuit. Um, It's a modulating uh, receptor in most circuits, um, and it also regulates the uh, the overall electrical activity in the brain. So um, when alcohol is present for long periods of time, chronically, in substantial amounts, our brain confuses alcohol with our own natural GABA neurotransmitter. The brain stops making it our own GABA. And because it feels like, well, alcohol's here, why should I make GABA? You've already replaced it. Because the alcohol is activating the same receptors as our own natural GABA. So it kind of replaces GABA. If we suddenly stop alcohol, the brain doesn't have time to catch up and produce our own natural GABA quickly enough, and we can end up with a withdrawal seizure because the brain lacks the ability to suddenly modulate its own electrical activity in a normal way. So GABA is an inhibitor, and if Mm -hmm. you say, step aside, brother, uh, and you replace it with alcohol, your brain gets used to it, and then you take the alcohol away, and the inhibition is gone, and the electrical impulses just 
go wild. We're overwhelmed. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So if we wanted to give people a few ideas, there's, there's, um, you know, we talk about mocktails and non-alcoholic drinks as a substitute. We did as one of our champions some months ago, Volstead by Unity was the first all zero libation restaurant. It's awesome. They have a vegan menu, just beautiful. And everybody who works there is either in recovery or just out of incarceration. Fantastic. And mm -hmm. they're doing really well. And people need, if let's say somebody's pregnant and they want to go out and be with everybody and they don't want to drink alcohol, they can't drink alcohol or they have a, a marathon the next day. You can still enjoy the atmosphere. And what are some other ways, uh, Marina, that you might direct people for some ideas? Yeah. So, so that's, those, those are great ways is to um, uh, either access um, a non-alcoholic environment like, like the one you, you uh, gave the example of, or um, even if you don't want to have um, um, a non-alcoholic beer or a non-alcoholic wine, you can just have a different kind of drink. So you're going to the same celebrations, but you decide that you're going to have just a club soda, or you're going to have a ginger ale, or you're going to have some other kind of drink that's not a mocktail, but it's just, you know, a juice drink. Um, your friends will come up to you and offer you an alcohol drink. You could just say, thank you so much. I already have a drink because you've already made a different decision. Um, but you can also think about alternative activities, um, having meetings with friends in places that don't involve using alcohol. Um, you can go out to a movie. You can, that doesn't typically involve drinking alcohol. Uh, you can go out for ice cream. Um, you can um, uh, go out to a place where you would do a hike, go for a bike ride, things that are not typically associated with uh, using alcohol. And I guess, too, if you have a drink, and then the next time you reach for a drink, make that alternate. The next one is not alcohol. And then maybe a second drink and say, I'm good, I'm full, I don't need any more. And really, after a while, if you drink less, it's <laughs> your habit's less expensive because it takes less alcohol to feel the the joy, as you mentioned. And then finally, maybe find a buddy who's thinking, you know, if you decide I'm going to walk this year, that's going to be my new thing. And you find somebody you're going to meet at six o'clock, right before you have dinner and go for a walk. You're more committed if you have to answer to your friend who's tapping their watch saying, where are you? These are great suggestions, Marina. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, more about Dry January from Dr. Marina Goldman. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. 
When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Welcome back to your radio doctor. We're learning so much and great ways to stay dry in dry January. Dr. Marina Goldman, thanks for joining us. Let's revisit what we were discussing before the break and why people actually feel so much better when they try a month free of alcohol. Yes, thank thank you. Um, Again, a pleasure to be here talking about this important topic. So um, what you were um, explaining at the end of our um, uh, last segment was that even if people uh, cut back, uh, so dry January for people can mean completely eliminating alcohol use for 30 days. But for some people, they can make a decision to reduce alcohol. Um, and instead of having a drink uh, every, every day, they're cutting back to half the days. Or instead of having, as you were saying in your last example, a, a drink uh, with their friends where they're having three drinks in a row, they might have one alcoholic drink and the other two non-alcoholic drinks. So what people have found over the last decade, since dry January has become, you know, um, a very popular concept, not just in America, but in the UK, is that people who reduce alcohol use don't just eliminate, but even just reduce alcohol uh, for 30 days, people will report improved um, concentration, improved energy. Um, They'll um, report that they're sleeping better. Um, they have more time to do other things. And um, if people eliminate alcohol for um, 30 days, they will find improvement in their um, uh, medical health. They'll see reductions in um, elevated glucose levels, and they'll see reductions in um, uh, fat around the liver. Um, and weight loss is another benefit that people talk about when they're both reducing and eliminating alcohol use for 30 days. You're right. It is, depending uh, depending on what you drink, it's a good number of calories. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big motivator for a lot of people, especially yeah. after the holidays, after all that heavy eating and heavy drinking. Yes. And people want to lose a couple pounds. That's one big motivator. Well, I think, too, it's the end of the year. It's cold. It's Christmas. It's emotional. It's all those different triggers that you, that you mentioned. And people get to a point and say, I've worked so hard this year. I deserve this. I'm going to have another drink, whatever, whatever the habit is, right? Mm-hmm. I've eaten too much, but you know what? It's Christmas. I'm going to have two pieces of cake or whatever it is that we all, we all fall into some habit that we should, that we should trim. So the definition of a drink is, or a standard drink is about 14 grams of ethanol that can be found in five ounces of wine, a 12 ounce, a 12 ounce can of beer, one and a half ounces of 40 proof, 40% alcohol. Um, but even smaller amounts of regular alcohol use are risky in specific groups of people. Like we said, pregnant women um, or those who experience alcohol associated injuries, working with heavy machinery or people that have a regular intake, even moderate amounts can impair your balance and judgment and ability to drive, even if you don't feel buzzed. Mm-hmm. 
That's all. That's that's all true. Yeah, the number of people who may be um, considered at risk when they use any amount of alcohol uh, can be actually quite extensive. So the first thing, uh, the the first group of people that come to mind would be um, women who are considering pregnancy. Um, so um, even before. Um, in, in the early stages of planning pregnancy, um, women are, are advised to eliminate alcohol use because um, you don't always know when you're going to become pregnant and you want to be sure that you're not exposing the embryo and the fetus to uh, the toxic effects of alcohol. All alcohol use is considered toxic for both the embryo and the fetus in the, um, during pregnancy. So in addition, there are lots of other people so anyone who takes medications that may interact with alcohol, it's a large group of people. Um, anyone who has uh, heart disease, um, because alcohol can have toxic effects on the heart and also interact with uh, heart medications. Um, people who have other conditions like high blood pressure, um, a lot of our um, Cases of high blood pressure are associated with heavy alcohol use. Um, so when you start thinking about all the different kinds of um, interactions that alcohol has, um, a lot of people would have reason to think about whether they should cut back. Well, we've made little videos for social media that talk about things like your health. And the current recommendation is uh, women should have no more than one serving of alcohol per day. Men should have no more than two per day. And heavy drinking is considered more than seven per week, more than one a day, or more than three at one time for a woman, more than four at one time for a man. But going back to what you said, it's not just that it can be, it can damage your heart itself or raise your blood pressure. If you're on medications that are metabolized by your liver and your liver is upset, it's going to change the effect, the effectiveness of the med either decrease or increase it, which is scary. And people associate uh, certain things with alcohol, uh, excessive use, like pancreatic, uh, well, we don't know about pancreatic cancer, but pancreatitis, gout, um, diabetes, and things you mentioned, like your blood sugar. Peripheral neuropathy is a big one. People lose the sensation in their, their feet. But a lot of people still don't realize, and this is why American Cancer Society and so many groups are saying, Please heed this warning because not only does it affect those organs right now and the other uh, short-term adverse consequences or car accidents, et cetera, but long-term, it bumps your risk for multiple cancers. Who would connect it with breast cancer? But yes, it bumps the risk for breast, colorectal, esophageal because alcohol helps you to reflux and reflux Chronic irritation of your esophagus sets you up for Barrett's esophagus, precancer, and even cancer. Liver, mouth, and throat cancer. So, and even probably stomach cancer. So, we can't get that message out enough because, as you say, it's it's kind of interesting when we get that data back. The people that do take that month off say, "You know what? I feel better. I concentrate better. I have more energy. I I'm happy. My dopamine is now." doing better at work or exactly having more time to read a good book. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, I want to um, add a couple more um, pieces of information to, um, uh, to work with where, where you started. So thinking about uh, 
the recommended way to use alcohol? What's, what's considered a safe way? So you were explaining uh, to the listeners that for women, it should be no more than seven drinks per week, uh, no more than three drinks on any one occasion. Uh, but then you want to think about how quickly you consume those three drinks, right? Because if a woman consumes four drinks in two hours, her blood alcohol level is likely to be um, at, you know, at the above the legal driving limit. And even if it's not, uh, it's very important that listeners understand that consuming any alcohol before you drive can be dangerous. Sure. And so that you're defining binge drinking for listeners. Again, a woman who drinks four drinks very quickly within two hours, or if a man drinks five within that mm-hmm. short period, up goes their blood alcohol level. And people are walking around with a little breathalyzer or something. They say, I wonder what my blood alcohol concentration is. But if you have that image in your mind, you'll know you either have to stretch it out or just stop at one, maximum two, and don't get into a car and drive. And I think too, um, young people, you gave a brilliant explanation um, that GABA is that inhibitor transmitter in, in, in our brains that says, you know what? I don't like the feeling of all this alcohol flooding my brain, but they're not developed completely in younger people. Tell us how young people get in trouble. Yeah. So both young people and also, also older patients. So we, I, I want to come back to the older patients as well. But for, for young people, their brain is developing um, through, you know, through the age of 26. The receptors continue to change. Um, so we have these um, what we call kind of uh, early receptor formation. And then it changes to the full adult receptor formation by the age of 26. So when um, teenagers start to experiment with alcohol, we see experimentation with alcohol in our teenagers somewhere around the age of 12, as early as, as could be as early as the age of 10. Mm -hmm. But between 12 and 26, when teenagers are experimenting with alcohol, the GABA receptor has not fully transitioned to the adult state. So what happens is when alcohol is activating the GABA receptor, it doesn't have the same um, intensity of sedation from alcohol. So a teenager can consume more alcohol before they start to really feel like they're going to pass out. And that can become so much more dangerous because all of that alcohol still is very, very toxic to the brain. And by the time that toxicity uh, is, you know, in full effect, they've overconsumed without realizing it. You know, it's kind of like eating. Um, If you eat your meal relatively slowly or at a a modest pace, moderate pace, eventually your insulin level starts to rise to break down any carbs, et cetera. And it tells your your brain that you're full. But if you eat quickly, (laughs) you're still consuming a lot of food, ingesting a lot of food before you get the signal. It's kind of similar to that. And I, and I think too, you mentioned the uh, older people with time. I mean, we see lots of people with liver disease in the GI world. Um, Our livers, the metabolism starts to slow anyway. So we can't tolerate the same amounts of alcohol that we did when we were younger. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So when we think about the recommended safe limits, so let's say a man gets used to consuming um, 14 drinks Mm -hmm. per week. Um, 
by the time that man is 65 or older, that really needs to come down to seven drinks per week. Because if he's maintaining 14 drinks per week, he's at, and he's over 65, he's now consuming what is now wow. a toxic amount of alcohol, whereas when wow. he was younger, it was And not. I think, too, the, the important message for our listeners as well is acute ethanol or alcohol intoxication, which can happen very quickly, can be life-threatening. Now call 911. Don't be embarrassed. Call 911. If the person, especially if the person who's been drinking heavily is blue or feels cool to the touch, their blood pressure has dropped, um, they could have seizures. If they have seizures, if you can't awaken them, um, or if they can't stop vomiting. And so we tell our students to be prepared, if you are medical students, if um, a patient needs to get to the hospital immediately, their glucose could be so low, so they need IV glucose immediately. They also need a vitamin called thiamine, or they're going to develop brain damage. Um, and they may need, they need sedation if they're agitated and violent because they could be thrashing and, and hurt themselves. So if we give people these images, maybe they'll be uh, a little bit more likely to call quickly. Women too. I was reading that women start to have alcohol-related problems more quickly than men at smaller amounts because pound per pound, am I right here? Women weigh less, but also alcohol resides predominantly in body water and pound per pound, women have less water in their bodies than men. Yeah. So also um, the way that women metabolize alcohol would be a little bit different than, than men. So, um, and um, you're right, they, they progress, uh, uh, they can have a more rapid development of liver disease, even if they haven't been drinking as much alcohol as men. And alcohol, you, you explained beautifully with young people, teens, Gosh, when you hear 12 years old, you just say, holy Toledo. But alcohol can disrupt normal brain development during adolescence in girls who binge drink more often than in boys who binge drink. Not that it's a contest. None of them should be doing it. But they end up with decreased brain activity and decreased memory. No, thank you. We really have to educate our young people. Let's take a little break and hear about this week's real champion, who is such a crusader about educating young people and alcohol abuse. And now for your real champion, I call this segment, Don't Stall, Just Call. Mary Giametti was the only girl in a family of nine children. She was still a child, but old enough to remember when her little brother died at age six from leukemia. Mary explains, we prayed for him every night at Grace. My mom taught me how to live. So when Mary was faced with the same challenge, the loss of her own son, she had a much better understanding of her mother's grief. It was January 2015, and life was good. Then, on an icy cold Sunday morning, her husband got a call that changed their lives forever. The youngest of her four children, 20-year-old Christian, had everything to live for. He was an avid skier, outdoorsman, a landscape architect major at Temple University. But a night of binge drinking resulted in alcohol poisoning, and he was now in Temple University Hospital. He was in coma for seven days, and Mary says, people don't understand why we were grateful for that. Most people can't fathom that that was a good thing, but it gave us the gift of time. 
All of the family and his friends came to say goodbye. It was community. It was cathartic. We were all in shock, but it was beautiful. We were all there on his last day, holding hands, watching him take his last breath. The doctors and nurses at Temple were the best. The respiratory intensive care unit nurses brought immeasurable support and at night would say, can I come in and pray over your son? By day three of that painful week, Mary sat by Christian's bedside and said the rosary out loud. For a brief moment, she asked, why me, with a feeling of great despair. As she felt a black cloud, the spirit of death coming toward her, she looked at the crucifix and said, I give my life to you. Though she continued to pray for a miracle, she also asked for the gift of grace to accept God's will and to help her continue to stay strong for the rest of her family. Out of tremendous grief from losing their son in an unimaginable way, Mary created the CTC Foundation with the message, Don't Stall, Just Call. She takes her message to students in high schools and colleges, believing that education is the best way to prevent senseless alcohol-related deaths. The mission? To educate all people to know the signs of alcohol poisoning and make a call before it's too late. Her hope is that no other person, especially a young person, could ever say, I didn't know. She started with presentations in August of 2015, just before Temple was going to play Penn State at the link. Temple was hosting, so she knew she'd see a lot of drunk kids. She brought it to their attention and suggested that they have food, water, and create a triage. Mary and her husband had a tailgate with flyers, and then people were sending kids to her asking where to get an ambulance. Mary says her presentation opens with very loud music and beautiful pictures of Christian skiing, hiking. Everything's happy and good until it's not. Then the music stops. She then shows pictures of her son in the hospital bed in coma with his eyes patched closed. Kids didn't know what they're about to see. The rest of her presentation is education, stories, and not statistics. People learned so much from her talks. One teacher said, as a parent, this is terrifying. Another said, now I realize that alcohol poisoning can happen anywhere. And a student said, we get other talks about alcohol, but I've never heard anything about alcohol poisoning. Mary speaks in high schools, fraternities, sororities, communities. They learn the signs of alcohol poisoning. A person who stumbles can't walk without support or who mumbles. If a person is unresponsible to a painful stimulus like pinching his ear or rubbing his sternum or cooled at the touch with blue lips and hands, or if they begin to vomit. She reminds young people, you might not want to call because you don't want to get your friend or yourself in trouble, but you also don't want to be a pallbearer at your friend's funeral. The earlier kids start drinking, the more likely they'll have a problem. Plus, People want to be the fun parent. Christian used to call his mom the fun police, but then would say, Mom, keep doing what you're doing because we have the best family. Just as Mary's mother found strength in her loss and the courage to focus on her other children, Mary finds strength in her new role as an educator, but also has to focus on her other children and grandchildren. In early January, she was blessed with a new little granddaughter 
Now all eyes are focused on little Mia, and both Christian and Mary's mother know that. My conversation with Mary was deeply moving and truly inspiring, and I know that Christian is looking down on his parents with pride. Call it a God wink, but on the day Mary received my email to be part of the show, it was the nine-year anniversary of the day the angels brought her dear son Christian home. We salute you, Mary Chiametti, your real champion. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. We're having a really helpful discussion with Dr. Marina Goldman, who is a clinical assistant professor and faculty in the Addiction Psychiatry Fellowship at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Marina, we're trying really hard here to talk about alcohol use disorder and give people parameters so they can really reflect and say, am I drinking too much alcohol? Could it hurt me in the short term and long term? We talked about all the organ systems that can be affected, heart, liver, pancreas, bumps the risk for cancers. What exactly is the definition of alcohol use disorder? It's a great question. Thank you uh, for asking it. Um, so, um, one way for our listeners or and for my patients to start to think about whether they have an alcohol use disorder is to start where where you were starting to start to look at whether their use of alcohol has been associated with any particular risk or damage so if they had an appointment with their primary care doctor and their primary care doctor has told them that um, they have high blood pressure and this high blood pressure may be related to their use of alcohol, or they have changes in their liver, and that may be related to their use of alcohol. That's a big first step for them to think about whether they may be using alcohol in ways that are harmful for them. Um, Alcohol use disorder is a term we use to really talk about uh, the experience of addiction to alcohol. To think about this in general terms, what it means is that we are continuing to consume a substance, alcohol, even though it has become detrimental to us. And the first step would be to think about it's now having negative effects on our health, high blood pressure, heart problems, liver problems, maybe even associated with damage to our gastrointestinal tract, such as ulcerations uh, or reflux. And if that's happening, but we're still drinking alcohol, why are we feeling compelled to drink, even though we know it's now damaging our health? And that sense of compulsion 
may be the sign that you have an addiction because you know it's not helping you, you know it's hurting you, but it's hard to stop. And that's the other sign. You've tried to cut back, but you weren't able to. Um, The urge to drink is overwhelming. And also, you might also notice that it's now affecting your relationships, your ability to perform at work, um, your ability to stay engaged in your important life relationships and your important role obligations in your life. If all of that is happening at the same time, that you might have either a moderate or a severe degree of alcohol addiction or alcohol use disorder. Um, If just a few of those symptoms are present, you've noticed that it's impacted your health and you've struggled to cut back, then you might have a mild form of alcohol use disorder or alcohol addiction. And I guess it's hard too, Marina, um, for people who realize that they're having difficulty walking away from alcohol, even excessive alcohol, if they combine it with cigarette smoking. Yeah. That's not a good duo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually a very hard duo to manage because the tobacco has been shown to increase the craving for alcohol and the alcohol has been shown to increase the craving for tobacco. So that when a person is smoking, when they have a cigarette, they then start to crave the alcohol. And when they're drinking, they have a drink, they're going to start to crave the tobacco, the, the cigarette. What's also important so, is that when a person is both smoking and drinking, they increase their risk for cancer in the upper gastrointestinal tract and in the respiratory tract, lung cancer, exponentially. So alcohol alone increases the risk of upper gastrointestinal cancer. But if you're using alcohol plus smoking, it magnifies that. And smoking alone increases the risk of lung cancer. But if you're consuming alcohol and smoking, it magnifies that as well. So it's a double whammy. And you know what? It bumps the risk of other cancers too that people wouldn't connect like colorectal. Not that that's my only, you know, crusade in life, but people don't connect those things you're describing. It's so important for people to hear this. So the other thing is, um, I'd like to focus a little bit on when somebody's ready or somebody says, I, I need help, because we're saying, don't try to do this on your own. It could have life-threatening uh, consequences. What are the medications that are available to help people switch off of alcohol? Yeah. So it's very important for people to know both of those uh, pieces of information, that we have very effective treatments and that alcohol use disorder needs to be treated in close collaboration with your medical provider because alcohol withdrawal can be life-threatening. It can be deadly. So you want to work closely with your medical provider so that they're helping you manage any withdrawal as safely as possible so you could stay safe while you are um, reducing your use of alcohol and um, addressing your addiction to alcohol. Uh, There are um, FDA-approved medications that have been shown to be very helpful for patients who want to stop using alcohol and uh, maintain their abstinence from alcohol. So I'm going to talk about those three medications. These medications are not the medications we use to treat alcohol withdrawal. That's a whole different process. 
But once someone has stopped using alcohol, these medications can help a person to maintain their abstinence and to reduce the risk of relapse or resuming alcohol use. Um, so the first medication our, our listeners probably have heard of because it's very similar to the medicine that's been in the news a lot for opiate reversal overdose. Um, so naloxone is the medicine we use to treat um, uh, opiate overdose, to reverse an opiate overdose. All the emergency um, teams use that in the field. A pill form of that is called naltrexone. It's the same medicine, but instead of giving it by injection or in, uh, by infusion in the nose, nasal, right? Um, it's given as a pill. And if a patient takes naltrexone every day, or if they get a once a month injection of Vivitrol, um, it's the same medication, naltrexone, and um, it reduces the craving for alcohol. So when they are triggered by a cue, they're in a setting where there's alcohol around, they're maybe feeling sad or excited, uh, there's an emotional trigger, or they're around their social group where there's alcohol use. If they're taking naltrexone or using Vivitrol as an injection, they're le less likely to consume alcohol or to consume heavy alcohol. Another medication is called acamprosate, and that works directly on the GABA system. Again, that's been shown to help people maintain abstinence once they've stopped using alcohol. And the third medication is called disulfiram. And uh, it was popularized as antabuse. That's the other name for it. And people may recognize the name antabuse and go, oh, I know, that's the one that makes you really sick if you drink. Yes, that's the one that if you take antabuse and you combine it with alcohol, you get very, very sick. It's, uh, it's a form yeah. of aversion therapy. Yes. It's, not, uh, it's not popular uh, in general because we don't like to make our patients sick. But for some of our patients, it becomes very, very effective. Um, it's, uh, yeah. they, they know that for every day that they take their antibuse, they're guaranteed that they won't be drinking. Mm -hmm. It's a way that they guarantee their sobriety. And as you said, the naltrexone, which can come in pill form, which a person would take every day. The other, it's, I guess, patient choice, whether they want to take a pill every day or get an injection once a month, which has to be in a pretty big muscle. So maybe a gluteus, yeah. one of those big yes, bottom muscles. Is that's kind of helpful because then you ensure adherence. You you're if they show up once a month, you're able to be there or somebody else is watching. So that's kind of an interesting thought to keep in mind. And I know from what I've read that the naltrexone, those two forms, we have to be careful if somebody has liver disease, because then we'd reach for the alternative, which is the acamprosate. And we have to be careful exactly. of people's kidneys and that. So at least if these have been tested and watched and, um, you know, it, it sounds like there's so much good thought going into this. So we talk about um, alcohol use disorder and just not being able to limit the amount of alcohol, craving it, um, ending up drinking more than they plan, inf interfering with social life and their, their family and responsibilities, hobbies, all those good positive. We have to replace the dopamine or the high that you get from alcohol with the dopamine of the joy of playing with your grandchild or going to a baseball that's right. game. That's exactly right. Yeah. So once, once, um, 
a person's able to reduce their use of alcohol or eliminate their use of alcohol altogether, they have an opportunity to replace alcohol with these, what we think of natural rewards, playing with your grandkids, um, enjoying music, enjoying a book. You know, two things come to mind. We have about a minute left in this segment. But as you mentioned, excess alcohol, not in everyone, but it can cause fatty deposition in the liver, fatty liver. Fatty liver is you know, being the the tortoise and the hare, it's almost winning the race to be the number one reason why people get liver transplants. Not fatty liver, I take that back. Fatty liver that accelerates into fatty liver steatohepatitis and cirrhosis. It can happen, not in everyone, but it's another good reason to say, okay, I had a beer, but these poor kids, everything on TV, we're going to watch the football game or the baseball game and all the commercials are beer, beer, beer. And I, as a GI doc, will see people for reflux a big thing I help people with, especially a lot of the younger people. And I'll say, you have to ask the social history. Do you smoke? Do you drink out? Look for things that can be causing your symptoms because they're big reflux triggers. And I'll say, do you drink much alcohol? Oh, just one night a week. <laughs> and, I, and I work out and I, I don't smoke cigarettes. See, so you drink one night a week. So maybe like a six pack and a few shots. Yeah, about that. It just rolls up their tongues because it's not drugs. Are you, do you find that? The people think it's just beer. Beer's safer than, no, a 12-ounce beer equals five ounces wine equals a shot. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, we tend to, especially now, we tend to sell beer right next to the vegetables in the grocery store. So, you know, uh, we go to grocery store to get things that are safe, uh, vegetable, meat. In fact, we know everything in the grocery store is safe to eat. It's all been, you know, monitored. It has... So when we combine things that are safe with things that are less safe, we give those alcohol products the same aura of safety that we give to our food when we sell it, right? That is a brilliant comment. I never thought about that. You're right. It kind of affirms that it's groovy. It's part of the weekend. Don't forget to pick up a couple bottles of wine if you're having friends over. Oh. It's, it's so deep and so wide, and you just hope that if one person listening to us tries to cut back, uh, you know, that, that would help them. Let's take a little break, and when we return, we'll have our weekly wrap-up. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. And in our final segment of Your Radio Doctor, we call our weekly wrap-up, Your Weekly Prescription. Dr. Marina Goldman, we've learned so much from you. What is your take-home message for our listeners? So um, 
I, I would say there are two ways to think about alcohol. Um, it's alcohol is a, one of the most common substances that everyone uh, engages with at some point in their life. Take time to ask yourself whether you're in the place you want to be in terms of your alcohol use. Look at your overall health. Look at your overall lifestyle. And take the time to ask yourself the question whether you want to make a change. A little change, a big change, it's always up to you. Have your best interests at heart. And the second idea with alcohol is alcohol has been associated with a lot of um, injury and death in our, in our culture. Uh, everything from a car accidents to accidental overdose and death. So whenever you see someone and you think that they're not safe in terms of how they're drinking alcohol, um, and if you have any concerns, um, don't hesitate to offer them help. Don't assume that they're going to be okay. Um, alcohol can be dangerous. Um, ask, don't be afraid to call for help. If you think someone's in trouble, call 911, ask for help. Um, don't worry that you're going to get yourself or someone else in trouble. You'll probably be uh, an important part of protecting um, your friend um, and say potentially saving a life. Yeah. And we say that to young people. Yeah. Our champion today talks to people of all ages, but especially students, and says, would you rather have your friends upset at you because they risk being expelled? They won't be expelled for that. Well, I can't say that routinely, but that people will understand, and it's a lot better than being a pallbearer at your friend's funeral. If we wanted to direct people to read further, where would they visit? What websites would you suggest? Yeah, so there are some really great uh, informational websites. Um, they're very well written, um, they're free, um, and they're very easily accessible. Um, anyone who's interested in learning more about alcohol, I would recommend the website that is uh, sponsored by the National Institute of Health. It is uh, the NIAAA, just like we have um, the uh, AAA organizations. There is an N. That's a good way yeah. to remember it. Yeah. National Institute of Alcohol. Um, this is the institute specializes in alcohol addiction. And um, their website uh, is full of great information, everything about uh, safe drinking, how to know how much is safe, how to think about alcohol, ways to cut back, um, strategies that can help people make decisions about their alcohol use, lots of medical information. Um, and then also the CDC. Um, the CDC also has its own set of resources. Um, those are the two best places. Um, they're free, and the information is all uh, scientifically um, evidence-based and valid. So they're very easy to find. So if people start with the NIH, National Institutes of Health, it, it will lead them to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, NIAAA, yes. or the yes. CDC. Dr. Marina Goldman, you have helped so much, and I, I'm sure the people are grateful and I have to say, you have such a calming, reassuring way about you. Your patients must love you. Thank you. That's a wonderful compliment. <laughs> Thank it you calmed so me much. down. That's not easy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to your radio doctor every Saturday here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Listen to all of our shows again on odyssey.com. 
A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Check out our website, yourradiodoctor.net. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for support from Recovery Centers of America. And now a word from our new associate, Helio.com, the medical media company and information platform that offers the latest in healthcare news and information. An article from January 12, entitled, Dry January Campaign Aims to Make First Step Toward Abstinence Less Daunting. You learn that in just 31 days of abstinence, benefits include lower blood pressure and diabetes risk, lower cholesterol, and reduced levels of cancer-related proteins in the blood. People save money, too. Plus, the foundation called Alcohol Change UK showed that 67% of people who use use their free tools and resources had an alcohol-free month compared to just 33% who tried to go dry on their own. Read more on Helio.com. Look for us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and X, and now on TikTok. Show us some love. Please follow us and like Your Radio Doctor. Write to us. I'd love to hear what topics you want us to cover. Send an email to info at yourradiodoctor.net. And please remember to pray for peace in our world, peace in our country, peace in our families, and peace in each of our very own hearts. This is Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love. And always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.